you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello everyone, welcome to Decide to Transform. I have a very special guest in store for you today. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and joining me from Vancouver, British Columbia, is Leah Morrison. Now this is gonna be a lot of fun and highly informative. Leah is known for her small frame and large personality. She comes to you as a trauma-informed coach, incorporating vibrational healing, mindfulness, and meditation, into self-care instruction. Her intuitive ability to see the unseen, to explain the unfelt, and to reach into the root of what is holding you back is unparalleled within the healing community, and one that she takes very seriously with great respect for the process of coming home to oneself. Whether you're look, working through chronic pain, disease, or disease such as depression, anxiety, thought patterns, or limiting beliefs, Leah shares valuable tools that create dramatic transformations in every single area of your life. And this is going to be a lot of fun. All right, Leah, welcome. Thank you. Hello. I'm excited to be here. This is so much fun. And I'm glad that you have taken the time to join me here today. It's, it's, it's great. I've been looking forward to this conversation because you're bringing so much to the table. And one of the things that pops to my mind right away is an energy mm -hmm. and, and an enthusiasm. So would you say a little bit more before we go into anything here, where does the energy, where does the enthusiasm come from for you? Oh, just a passion to have a little bit of fun in a very messy and heavy life. <laughs> I love it, all right. I mean, life is messy and it can be complicated and there's so much seriousness all of the time, especially right now as we're working through a global pandemic and hopefully coming out the other side, but I just don't subscribe to it. I think laughter is the best medicine in the world and can, so I try to, you know, have as much fun as possible within the heaviness. Yeah, well, and you make an excellent point. I mean, for those that may be listening three or four years from now, we're recording this in April of 2021 uh, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic with all kinds of things going on. And th the emphasis on fun, is, is, is that's a beautiful thing. Now, have you always held this as a core value of yours? Oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, it took me a long time to figure it out. I mean, the trauma that I've gone through within my life was quite, has been quite extensive and I lived in it. I was in the story and I was in the stress and I was in the emotional depravity of my own self. And so when I started to pull myself out and heal and really understand the science of the mind body connection, I started to realize that I was missing joy and how can I cultivate joy? And so it is a passion of mine every day to find a way to laugh and have a good belly laugh or to make somebody else laugh or even twinkle in their eye. And, you know, there's a lot of comedians out there that are like, why are you so funny? What's the drama? That's funny. We're, we're able to make some jokes, but 
Yeah. It's important to be able to find the sparkle in life. Otherwise, what's the point? I don't, it's too hard. We need a little bit of balance there. Right. It really is. And, you know, this is true even in times of, well, non-pandemic times. Mm -hmm. So the last year has really brought all this to the fore. But, um, well, do, so do you do things like walk or dance around the house singing ridiculous songs out of curiosity? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Excellent. You know, right. we've started just in the last four years, really, five, almost five years now since, uh, since my divorce, I realized I wasn't happy. And so coming out of the divorce and being with my two children who are now 13 and six-year-old boys, I realized that we were all living in this sense of anxiety and I wanted to find some fun. So I just started whipping out my 90s dance moves while uh, cooking dinner fabulous. and putting on some good music and then, you know, challenging my son to a dance off down a Walmart shopping aisle and, you know, having a lot of fun in the car and it's we started to celebrate what what I could only describe back then as weird we started to celebrate the weird and celebrate the individuality and celebrate the joy and so it's just been recent in the last you know five years that I've been finding myself like ah okay there I am hello this is fun and this is good and and it yes. helps the kids too yeah, th that's a lot of fun. Uh, I've got a daughter that dances in the supermarket. Uh, to, mm -hmm. Part of it is to horrify her 18-year-old brother who <laughs> thinks his friends are going to watch. So <laughs> It is actually a threat that I've made to my 13-year-old son. You piss me off. I'm going to be rolling down those windows and playing Gangster's Paradise when I'm driving through and dropping you off at school. And I will be singing at the top of my lungs. He's like, okay, okay, mom. Okay. All right. I'll do whatever you say. I'll do, I'll do whatever, yeah. Don't, don't sing gangsta's paradise <laughs> right. i love that uh, song yeah yeah i do too in the 90s dance moves so uh, you know i know the listeners are thinking of a lot of songs yeah mm -hmm. 90s dance moves you're whipping out the sprinkler and the roger rabbit and the running man and all, mm -hmm. all of yeah. the good things but yeah so i do i do that a lot with my kids and make up some rap songs here and there and okay just have yeah. some fun yeah, yeah. That, that's fun. And, and, you know, the passion to have fun is, is, is what we're talking about. I really, um, I, I can really relate to that. And I know a lot of people can, but there's so many people that are, are blocked from that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you work with them all the time and you've mm -hmm. got a journey of your own on this, yes. you know, as, as a coach, it's very interesting that you refer to yourself as trauma-informed, mm -hmm. trauma-informed coach. So would you say some more about what you mean by that? Trauma-informed is a whole body and mind approach. It's actually a specific modality when we're working with people. And unfortunately, a lot of even clinical counselors and psychologists and therapists are not trauma-informed, which blows my mind in the mental health uh, aspect because if you're going to therapy, it is to heal unresolved trauma and to work through, you know, high levels of stress, which are traumatic within the body and the mind. So trauma-informed approach is, is coming at um, a way where you can connect into your body. And when you connect into your body with reverence for who you are instead of who you're not, it can create an opening that wasn't otherwise there or that you didn't notice. We are so disconnected from our physical body that we think that we're separate and it's not the case. And the moment we can find that unity within ourselves in mind, body, spirit, it is that alone is a game changer in your life. And we are, we just, 
we're taught to run from our own selves and to run from discomfort and uncomfort. And I teach people to run towards it because that's where the light comes in and that's where some joy and happiness starts to come in and things start to make sense to you. Okay. Yeah. So running toward then the discomforts of a foundation of this modality. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding it. It's really connecting in where you're going, that's why I act the way that I act, or that's why my body feels this way. Oh, and it's not something that's wrong. When we feel anything that's not pleasure, we think something is wrong with us. And there is no negative emotion. There is nothing negative about feeling the anger or the sadness or, but we are taught to run and run and run. And so when we can actually sit and climb into that anger for a minute with intention, it eases so much quicker. It actually, we move through it and it doesn't hold space within our body. Emotional dis-ease creates physical disease 100% of -hmm. the time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and, you know, I think that 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 is such a prevalent idea these days that it makes sense to people. But, um, you know, why, uh, why in your experience, are, are people so reluctant to connect to the physical body? Oh, I think it's because we're taught from a very young age. I mean, if this resonates with you, it definitely resonates with a few of my clients or oh, quite a bit of my clients. As a child being raised in, I'm almost 41, so being raised in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, children are meant to be seen, not heard. If you're angry, go to your room. If you're sad, I'll give you something to cry about. If you're happy, get outside. I don't want to hear you. You know, there's uh, that was very much my childhood with no disrespect to my mom. She did the best she could with what she had. Right. And our parents do all of our parents, even when they screw up, are doing the best they can with what they know. Right. And until they know better, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. And so, you know, when we give our children timeouts, we're telling them that they are not allowed to express those emotions instead of giving them tools to actually help them move through with emotional regulation. We are telling them that it needs to be put in a corner or you're not allowed to feel that way or we get angry with them for having a temper tantrum. And then we go into schools and we're muted. We are meant, we're taught to just sit and behave without processing anything that we're going through, right? Well, don't think that way. We're told that a lot. We're told what not to do. And instead we need to, I believe, and I do believe and see the culture shifting significantly in the last decade. Yes. It's been quite significant. But teaching, it's okay for you to feel angry. It's not okay to act in anger this way. Here's a healthy way to, to handle your anger. It's okay to be sad. You're not going to get stuck there if you allow yourself to process it in a healthy way. Understanding that this sadness is just, well, I often say tears are love leaking from your face okay. because it's yeah. just coming out of you, right? Yes. And the, the secret to life, in my, my humble opinion, is that it's love. We're all just seeking it. We're seeking acceptance from our superiors, our bosses, our friends, our family, our, our peers. We're constantly seeking that acceptance and that love. And the moment we can flip that around and find it within ourselves, we stop seeking it because it just comes to us like a domino effect. It's a default. As soon as we find that love of self in a healthy way, everything else defaults to loving us as well. And that's where I try to get people to seek. Okay. Yeah. Well, so this is a, this is really foundational stuff here. It's mm-hmm. the foundation of all of spirituality actually is, yeah. is love itself. And as you've put it, it's the secret to life. 
Yeah. yeah, it really is. I, I, I love that. So how do you, when you work with people, how, how do you help them to get closer to this love of self that you're discussing here? It's reminding them of who they are, not who they aren't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do, I started out with, and you could do this on your own and anybody who's listening. I started out with this one, uh, usually within the first couple of sessions of the program, if you decide to work with me, I get you to write down the five people, the list of five people that you love the most in life, okay. that you respect the most in life. These are your people. You would do anything for them, whether it's your children or your partners or your best friends or, you know, anybody, even somebody you look up to um, in, in the media or something like mm-hmm. that. What sure. are the attributes that you love about them? What are the characteristics that allows you to love them? And then I get them to say that about themselves because we truly seek out people and we are magnetized towards people that we that we feel about ourselves on the inside. We just can't see it. So if you're to list out five things about you know, your favorite person in the world. And then I get you to turn around and go, I am funny. I am love. I am generous. I am intelligent and all of these attributes. And I get them to actually see it. And we talk about it. I mean, this is a very simplified version, but we talk about it and realize that that's who you are. We are so hell bent on living by labels and diagnoses and you know, I ask anybody, yeah. I started out, who are you? Tell me who you are. I mm. will get, I am a mother. I am a, you know, admin assistant. I am an executive. I'm a doctor. I'm a counselor. I get all of these people who are like, this is who I am. Well, that's not who you are. Who are you? And they sit there and confused. Okay. Well, how would your best friend describe you? Oh, I don't know. And then all of a sudden they feel vain for describing something beautiful about themselves. Right. And that's total horseshit. It's mm-hmm. horse shit because well, I agree. Yeah. we need to be able to find that confidence and that empowerment within ourselves going, this is who I am. And I am everything that is good in this world. And so my job is to remind you of the goodness so we can move through all of the stuff and the voices that have been telling you who you aren't. Yeah. That okay. this is a so it's a very deep level stuff, and I can picture somebody one wanting more specifics. What do you mm-hmm. mean? Who am I? Right. Yeah. What What, what do you mean? Right. I, I can picture that because that's not a question that we're taught in in any society really mm-hmm. to ask. Um, and if you were, if you're listening, and you th- said, "Well, my my parents encouraged me to ask, who am I?" then you're uh, quite fortunate. <laughs> the rest yeah, of you are quite fortunate. That. Because even, you know, you're asked as you're growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And that frustrates me too, because who you want to be, as far as I, the way that I'm raising my boys is, you know, what type of person do you want to be in the world? Not who do you want to be? Because you're already this person. Now, how do you want to cultivate that goodness within yourself? So that goodness is cultivated. You know, when somebody leaves your presence, I want them to leave me feeling better than when they came. And that's whether my family, my friends, my, my clients, and you know, us talking, I yeah. always want to feel better when I leave somebody's presence and have them feel the same. That's who I want to be when I grow up. And that's who I'm going to emulate and try to cultivate every single day of my life. Mm-hmm. So when we teach our children that to be kind, it's a game. It, it changes. It changes the narrative for the rest of their life. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. It does. It changes uh, anyone's narrative. They're just that switch to love instead of fear. And now, um, how did you arrive at, at being a trauma-informed coach? I mean, what was it about this modality or, or your experience that led you here? Oh, now that is a story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... Well, we, we lack stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can say it started my, my oldest, who just turned 13. Uh, he was born premature. Uh, he was two pounds when he came in. He was two and a half months early. Mm -hmm. And almost died a few times his first year of life. Oh, wow. uh, okay. And I'd lived my whole life with depression and anxiety, suicidal um, as a teenager and in my early 20s, and just really, truly hated myself. Mm. And it just, it actually makes me emotional to think of how much self-loathing I held within me. And I would run from everything and shut down. I didn't know even how to process happiness. I didn't believe it. And so there was just this disassociation within me. So when my son was born, it was, it took me into a postpartum depression so severe that uh, within four months I had a psychotic break and that's what the doctors called it. And over the next year, I was having upwards of 20 seizures a day. Oh, wow. I dropped to, and I mean, I'm a small, I'm 5'3", I'm a small person, and I dropped even more weight. I was just a skeleton of skin and bones. And the doctors, in all of their efforts to help me, uh, because my, my anxiety was so severe, I couldn't even leave my house. I was just worried constantly that my son was going to die. And so it was, it was very significant. And they pumped me full of medication. Within a year, I was on 12 different types of medications and 200 milligrams of Oxycontin a day. Oh, wow. Okay. Doctor prescribed. Mm. And I, my day was just time dispensed pills constantly. And they would give me anti-anxiety and I would have side effects. So they'd give me another pill to combat the side effects. And then I was having more spasms and, and seizures. And what within a year, I was finally, after seeing a couple neurologists, finally diagnosed with what they called conversion disorder or otherwise known as psychogenic non-epileptic seizures and a form of functional neurological disorder, okay. which is trauma-induced, mm -hmm. all trauma-induced. Sure. So the neurologist who saw me was like, you know, uh, we're dealing with a mental illness. Are you open to hearing that? I'm, I'm, I'm open to hearing any diagnosis to lead me in a direction of where I need to go. And if it's my mind, then I can work with my mind. I just need to know how, which sure. road do I have to take? Give me yeah. a blueprint and I will follow the line. And uh, so he goes, you need therapy. You've been going through a lot of trauma. And I knew that I had had significant trauma from my childhood. I just did, I had a, I have a lot of disassociative amnesia. So I have years and chunks and people missing from my memories growing up. And so I got myself into psychogenic uh, or psychosomatic psychotherapy and was seeing a psychologist at the same time. So two different forms of therapy weekly, got off all of the medication and started really realizing that the trauma was inducing all of this. So anytime I had any form of a trigger, I would drop into a seizure. You look at me sideways, I drop into a seizure. I'd smell something, I'd drop into a seizure. That's how my body was processing my trauma because I didn't know how to feel. And when I did feel, I felt self-loathing and deep levels of hatred towards myself for okay. existing. And so through the therapy, we got off all of the medication and I started recognizing the, well, I started having this fascination with how the mind is so unbelievably powerful. Now, how do I go the other way? Yes. 
So I started researching the science of the mind-body connection and found my mentor, Tina Cleland, who is an energy life coach. And she took me under her wing and just showed me how, where my energy was and the scientific part of it. I mean, you look at, if you listen to Bruce Lipton at all, he's a neuroscientist, but he's bridging the gap between neuroscience and spirituality. It's the same, it's the same concept. It's just different language. And so I started diving into that more and more and more started realizing I have this unbelievable uh, intuitive ability that was maybe brought on by trauma um, and started studying. And I was hungry to understand myself. And through all of that, uh, I just, I rediscovered all of my childhood trauma, which was an insane amount of, um, well, sexual abuse and rape um, by the hands of nine men from the time I was very young age. Mm until my last assault being about six months before I met my, my now ex-husband at the age of 24, 25. <clears throat> and so being able to go through all of that and go, okay, this is what happened to me. And this is where I got through with the therapy. They would crack me open and get me to talk and then leave me on my way, but I didn't know what to do with all of it. Yeah. Now, what do I do? <laughs> right, right. So I was trying to create a plan for myself. And so I started setting up a structure of this is what I need to do after I have therapy. This is where I need to go. This is the things that I need to write down. This is, this is who I need to talk to after therapy to work through and create these tools that I would never slide back into. And uh, I discovered, I just, I love it. And I was desperate to help other people. It was just this passion that came out of me. So I started researching and learning and educating myself and training for the last, I mean, we're going on eight years now that I've been training through these types of modalities, trauma-informed meditation, mindfulness, energy, the science of the energy, and really researching. And then in the last five years, it's developed into this beautiful practice where I'm helping people remember who they are. And, you know, I get a lot of questions. Why aren't you a counselor? Why aren't you a therapist? Why didn't you go to school Mm. for that? And it's because I don't want to belong to a body of authority. And that's the, (laughs) that's that's the crux of it right there. I want to be able to do what I do without any regulation boxing me in. And the people who need me will find me and it's helping them. I mean, yes. Case in point, we're sitting here and chatting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because the the work speaks for itself, but it's not me doing the work for my clients. It's the clients doing the work for themselves. They don't need or require 10 years of therapy. I think that's yeah. ridiculous. Why are people in therapy for 10 years? Something is not working. Well, yeah, that's a really good question. 10 years is a long time for conventional mm-hmm. talk therapy exactly. by anyone's standards. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you mentioned something a minute ago that um, is, is, is worth pointing out again, is that you would, would undergo conventional talk therapy and you wouldn't have something to do yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. It was just crack you open and then send you on your way and you can figure it out. But if you don't know, and you're not taught specifically, okay, if you're feeling this, then sit with it and understand it and write about it and talk about it and don't shame yourself over it and giving you like, these are the rules to move through with this type of emotion. Then you're not self-doubting and climbing back into that, that shame spiral for feeling, which we do, right? And and we're taught as females and as men, Mm -hmm. be a man, which is... What does that even mean? 
Well, you know, as a man, I don't, I don't know what people actually mean by that either. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's emotions are your birthright. That's mm -hmm. the human experience. And to limit those emotions for the sake of somebody else's comfort is total crap. Mm -hmm. And we do that. We are conditioned yeah. to behave for somebody else's comfort and not for ourselves. And so it's not a selfish um, thing to go through. It's necessary. I think it's necessary to allow ourselves to feel comfortable and somebody else, if that's, if they're uncomfortable with our comfort, that's their problem. That's a them problem, not a you problem. And so really working with that and those boundaries and that self-reflection is, is the deepest yeah. part of, of what I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's very in-depth and it sounds like a really in-depth work that you do with people because it's clearly in-depth work that you did yourself. And as you mm -hmm. mentioned um, in the last couple of minutes, it really was a process, a big time process for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Now I'd like to ask you about your, your intuition because you use it and, and you put this into practice when you work with people mm -hmm. all the time. Now, do you feel like your intuition was always there or do you feel like your intuition was the product of the trauma that you experienced? I think the intuition was always there. I have, as soon as I started to open up to it and go, oh, there's something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. um, in forms of energy and whatever your language is, whether that's God, whether that's, you know, spirituality, gods and goddesses, or it doesn't mythological creature. I don't care. Fairies and gnomes, whatever <laughs> aliens. Uh, yeah. It's just energy uh, personified. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, we need to personalize things and label things for us to feel safe. And when we find that faith and yeah. the faith can be translated into energy and that mm -hmm. energy is how we behave. It's how we move. I mean, you look at, you take the 50, what is it? 50 trillion cells make up the average human body. Oh, wow. Okay. And you take one of those cells, one of the 50 trillion, and you put it under a microscope and there's anywhere from 5 million to 2 trillion molecules in one cell. And you take one of those molecules and what they've scientifically proven in the last like 15 years through epigenetics is that our molecular structure holds emotional energy like lint. And so when we can work with that emotional energy, we are spiritually connecting into ourselves. And so to be able to tap into that intuitiveness, when I think back on my childhood, yeah, I could notice there was energies. Yes, I could feel somebody's emotion before I felt my own, but I didn't understand it. Therefore, I thought it was something was wrong with me. Oh, somebody yeah. would be crying and I would be crying. Somebody would be angry and I would mm. be angry. And I was just mirroring uh, what was happening around me. And until I recognized, oh, okay, I feel. And because I feel so deeply, I hide. And because I feel so deeply, I'm also shamed by society. And so I just need to turtle. And so when I met my mentor, uh, she really worked with me to understand. And it was interesting because as soon as I got off all of the medication and started getting healthy, I started seeing colors around people. So I started oh, to see yeah. auras okay. and, and so if somebody would be singing and they're connected into that passion, I see color come out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. If somebody's playing music, I see their fingers light up like ET fingers, you know, and it's this beautiful, Ooh. and I'm like, <laughs> I am tripping out. I feel like I'm on a psychedelic acid trip all of the time, but it was just the energy that I was able to see. And once I started learning how to control it, where it wasn't overwhelming me. 
I realized that I could um, work with it and actually cultivate it in a way that helped me and helped others. And medical mediumship uh, was born out of that as well. So I see inside the body, like lifting the hood of a vehicle and you see the engine and how it works and you can hear things and you know, you know, a mechanic instinctively knows where to go. When I am working with somebody and they're talking, I get pinpoints of years in their life of when trauma happened. And so I'll be able to very gently go, what happened at the age of seven? Just sit with that. And they'll be like, oh my God, this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. And so, and looking through that and looking at the way that our mechanical body works, that's where the intuition now is a foundation of what I do. Okay. It's like an extra party trick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, well and it's it's fun it's a fun it's extra fun. party trick so if you're looking at a party trick and their color coming there's colors coming out of people's mouths and et fingers and things yeah. i would say that's a cool party trick yeah well I, i've <laughs> been told watching me watch live music is a show in itself because i'm just oh. like only into it and i got the music face going on and i'm just enraptured because i think it's beautiful mm-hmm. to be able to witness passion in color yeah, uh, th- that's a really strong visual. Yeah, th- that is. It's a really strong visual. Yeah. How's your air guitar? <laughs> Pretty good, I think. Good? Okay. I like to swing it around with my big arms. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this is a, this is something that you raised some really. I mean, you know, we're 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 laughing because it's fun, but uh, yeah. there are some important points in there, and mm-hmm. people are are shamed. Um, you've mentioned shame in a couple different contexts in this conversation. Yeah. People are shamed for being intuitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is, um, and this is where the trauma-informed piece come in. I okay. trained um, through Allison Quinn out of UBC, um, University of BC, and did a few of her courses there. And I loved it because she's quite well known and she's been training a lot of, I mean, everybody who was in this program uh, with me were doctors and counselors and, and therapists and needing that trauma-informed piece. And she goes, science is now saying the unexplainable is starting to become explainable and tapping into yeah. your client emotionally and trying to energetically connect with them will allow them to, it will provide space where you understand them, but they have a space where they start to understand themselves. So it's really tapping into the mirroring in your neurons. And we do that, right? And you'll notice uh, if anybody's listening, when you've talked to somebody and you're really excited and you see their excitement on their face watching you, they're mirroring you. That happens within our neurons and why we are attracted to somebody and why we're not. And when we can do that with our clients, when we can mirror them and really connect in intuitively, it's a deeper sense of safety. Okay. And it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be intrusive. It's just mm-hmm. holding space in a way that is not usually held space. We're not psychoanalyzing yeah. you. We are sitting there going, oh, yeah, that sucks. And this has been hard for you. And how are you feeling about that? And really actively listening to their pain, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't do. I mean, right. active listening is a lost art form that needs to be taught. It does. It we, does. Yeah. we listen to react and fix and respond without actually hearing the words coming out of somebody's mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is a lost art, especially these days with social media where people are, are engaged with their telephone and they're supposedly listening 
but mm -hmm. uh, or listening to respond, of course. Yeah, most definitely. So, uh, you know, with the with the color coming out of, of people's mouths, which is, is something that I, I'm, I'm coming back to. Yeah. Um, do people see color coming out of your mouth and ET fingers when you're doing air guitar? <laughs> Nobody's ever actually said that to me, but oh, I would thoroughly okay. and welcome the opportunity. To right ask. on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, right, and well, listeners, you'll uh, you'll be able to find out how to get hold of Leah and, and remember, remember said that on yeah. here. Yeah. I remembered actually saying it to my chiropractor. Oh, and okay. He was working, and he's so energetically connected. And he was working on somebody. I was watching. I was like, "Dude, do you like? Do you realize how much color is going out of you?" And he and he just <laughs> kind of gave me this little smirk and a small little nod, like he knew exactly what I was talking about, but he wasn't about to expand on it I'm like, oh right, gotcha all cool. right okay yeah but <laughs> most people who are energetically inclined or connected intuitively which we all can be it's just mm -hmm. connecting oh, yeah. into our own energy yeah. uh, and it can be you know taught and developed and cultivated in a healthy way where you don't victimize yourself to stuff sure um it's really quite beautiful and healing i think mm -hmm. that's ultimately yeah. what the next step in my healing process was was understanding spirituality for myself mm -hmm. I, yeah yeah i mean i read i've read the quran the bible the, oh, okay. uh, the works of taoism buddhism i was searching for answers when mm. i was sick more i i would pray to everything including the save on foods clerk i was just anybody who can hear me please hear me and help me mm -hmm. and sometimes i would voices come back i'm like what am i Am I going crazy? And I did I dare not tell my psychiatrist that I was hearing voices. Yeah. But when I met my mentor, she's like, okay, well, you're hearing yourself and you're hearing spirit and you're hearing energy and mm -hmm. it's beautiful. So why don't you listen and write it down? Don't yeah. be scared of it. Just respond to it with love and you'll hear the love come back to you. And that changed the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah. 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 Respond to it with love and you'll hear love come mm -hmm. back to you. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if, if someone is, is listening and they're, they're maybe intuitive themselves or in, in the place where they haven't really fully embraced it, what would you recommend to somebody who really wants to do what you've done with leaning into that and developing this intuition? Uh, finding a mentor that is... Um, based in the space of love and not fear. And this is really important because spirituality as a community is beautiful, uh, but there's a lot of fear-based um, practices out there and you need yeah. to protect yourself and you need to do this. And, and there's, you know, evil spirits and dark energy. And, and I try very hard not to subscribe to that because when you are working against the fear, you are living in that state of fear. Exactly. And that goes with everything in your life. When you're sitting in fear of what could or should or would, and when you're sitting in a state of, I should be, I could be, I whatever, you are limiting yourself in the expansion of what that love actually can cultivate within your own body. So when you are leaning into intuitiveness, meditate absolutely meditate, go through meditation, do sound therapy, do um, Reiki and start to experiment with people's uh, 
beautiful gifts because they, if there's a spiritual worker out there who's doing energy healing, they want to be of service and to be of service to other people is to observe your own self. Observing has, you know, observe has serve right in it. And that is a self interest that should be expanded upon. So I think when you tap into intuitiveness, it's to make sure that you are surrounding yourself uh, with people that are in a space to expand and grow and cultivate and not dampen and box and tell you that this is the only way because there's a million different ways and it mm. should all be explored in beauty. Yes. And one of the things that, uh, that I, I've had people write to me and tell me um, is that they're really grateful that there's everything in the world mm -hmm. at our disposal. You mentioned mm -hmm. you studied a lot of yeah. spiritual traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's when you start to look at all of it, because I, I get, you know, I try to be tolerant towards intolerance, because if I'm intolerant towards intolerance, then I am equally as intolerant. So when I look at, you know, I would have conversations with uh, family members and very religious family members where it was Jesus, just Jesus, and that is it. And if you did this, then you were going to, if you didn't get baptized, then you were, you know, going straight to hell. And all of that was fear propaganda that I, I've never in my entire life subscribed to. I don't, I don't like the, the propaganda of fear in religion. And so when I started to explore, I started noticing, oh, this Quran, there's so many beautiful passages in it. Oh my goodness. It was just, and if I read it in a space of love, I could feel the words of love and the energy of love come through this, this piece of work. Same with the Bible and, and same with yeah. the, anything that you read. And so when I started, I'm like, well, I believe that and I believe that and I'll take this and I'll take this and I'll take this. And then I created this spiritual practice where it is about encompassing all in all of the beauty, in all of the love and creating my own sense of faith. And okay. that's where I feel safe. And I feel that everybody should do that. If you feel mm -hmm. safe believing in Jesus and just Jesus, then power to you. That is beautiful for you. And you should absolutely stick with that. Sure. It's finding what's safe for you. And when we can sit in that emotional safety, um, we expand into ourselves a little bit more. And that's yeah. the goal. Love and expansion. Yes, love and expansion. Those, those are good goals and 90s dance moves. That's yes. <laughs> yeah. You're you know. a robot. Well, yeah, we have to have some of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, it's so important about the safety. And I think that what we see in the world is so many people lashing out and, and um, just attacking each other because they themselves don't feel safe. And mm -hmm. Well, especially with COVID right now, there's... <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of shaming and it's based out of fear. And how dare you behave that way? Because now you're putting me at risk. Um, and that's, but you are responsible for your own self. You cannot control anybody. The only thing that you can control in this entire world is you and your behavior and the words that come out of your mouth and your language. Language is the most powerful tool in the world. It can create and destroy. There's no, been no world war that's been started without somebody speaking sideways. Mm -hmm. and deciding to be off. And usually it's because of trauma. I mean, look at Hitler. He had a terrible, terrible childhood. Hurt yeah. people, hurt people. And mm -hmm. he perpetuated that in the worst means possible right. to humanity. But yeah. that's 
ultimately what people are doing on small scales is perpetuating that hurt. And so when we can see that somebody lashing out at us is actually not about us, it's about their own pain, then we can step away from it and separate and go, ah, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't about me. And I'm just going to hold space for you to feel whatever you got to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times the term holding space. I think people are really kind of confused, yeah. don't you, sometimes um, about what that really means. So yeah, if you were to define what, what, what does it actually mean to hold space for you? What would you say? It's to sit in support without speaking. And it is active listening. So if you were to come to me, um, and be angry, right? When there's any form of conflict, you're like, Leah, you really pissed me off. Me to hold space for that anger for you would be, okay, tell me about what, what's going on for you. And you sit and you listen. And I hear that you're feeling this. That's a form of active listening is holding space and allowing that person to move through and feel however they wanna feel. And I hear you're really upset with me and I am very sorry that you were feeling this way. How can I support you in moving through this? What can I do to work with you? That in itself is holding space for you to not take anything personally and go on the defense or offense, which allows us to, you know, we end up hitting butting heads when, when that happens. Or when somebody's in a lot of grief and working through a lot of trauma, we as, as human beings try to, well, don't think that way. And well, it was for the best. And what if you thought of it this way? And we're trying to change their mind and minimize how they're feeling in that moment. And if you really give somebody the space to go and feel all of the emotion that they need to feel in that moment, then they move through it. And you just allowed them a gift of time where they were able to process how they were feeling. So they no longer sit in it and it doesn't leak everywhere because our emotions leak everywhere. They do. They really yeah. do. I mean, anytime <laughs> I've been flipped off in traffic, I'm like, oh, you've had a bad day. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to back off and realize. And because that's their leaking, they're leaking emotion because they haven't processed whatever's going on and they're not grounded in their, in their own energy and their own self. Now, when somebody cuts you off on the freeway, do you find it's easier to say, oh, they've had a bad day than maybe it used to be when you might've flipped them off in the past yourself? Yeah. I mean, I'm still human. I'll be like, what the fuck? Mm. <laughs> I will still you know, go back, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I'll be like, okay, um, I hope it calms down. And it's just, it, it's a practice that you have to actually put into place when somebody's angry or, you know, you walk into Costco on a Sunday at Christmas time, there's a lot of frustrated, angry people around. And so when you are patient knowing, then you are not diving into it therefore you're being safe within your own self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to that being, being safe within their own self and helping people to get there. So if someone were to want to find out more about how, what it would look like to work with you and the services you offer, how would people reach out and get a hold of you? So you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Leah Morrison one. It's got the number one behind my name. Somebody else has a Leah Morrison handle and I cannot get it. <laughs> that is my, that's my handle. You can also find me on my website at leahmorrison.com. And through there, you can book a free discovery call where we can just chat about my services. But all of my services are described within the website and you okay. can book and mm-hmm. see the prices and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
I do offer an eight week program where I take people through their trauma. It's very intense program. It involves weekly sessions, weekly energy healings as well at the end of each session where we chat and we move through whatever it is you're working through. Um, and I offer free uh, just for people to have a sample of what I do. It's been going, I just started this a couple, about a month ago, every other week I've been going online live on Instagram and doing medical intuitive demonstrations, which okay. has been quite fun. So you can come in and ask me a question and see how I work, whether it's about your body or any type of medical, medical stuff. I will say even in this podcast that I am not a doctor. I don't pretend to be a doctor. <laughs> I advocate for self, uh, self advocation. And you really need to take responsibility for your own self and take what I say and go and try and prove me wrong. It's really important that you do that because that will either validate or, but it also uh, allows you to be more accountable for your own health and wellness, mm -hmm. which I think we all need to do instead of just diving in and asking somebody to fix us. Yes, we, we, we absolutely do. And, and this is leahmorrison.com and the Instagram handle at leahmorrison1. Okay, so question about your IG lives here. Are they at a set time that you schedule? Yeah, so recently I've been doing, I've just in the last two, um, every other week on Tuesdays from six to seven, I'm going to see, I'm about to start hosting a class on Tuesday. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to see if I can still do that. And I might flip the time around a bit, but I'm advertising for it. So if you follow me on Instagram, there'll be some postings here and there about where you can find me. Uh, and I'm setting them up as events also on Facebook. Um, Facebook handle is at Leah Morrison Healing. And so uh, you can find those events there or even on my website under my events page. Everything will be listed, the free events or any workshops that I'm doing. I know with COVID, I usually do a lot of workshops and host retreats and with COVID, there's been none of that. So I'm fingers crossed, very hopeful that BC will open up soon and we can start yeah. doing some fun stuff where we're actually looking into each other's eyeballs. Uh, I think people <laughs> are really missing that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like feeling the energy of somebody standing in front of you and it's a beautiful <laughs> experience and we're all missing that desperately. Yeah. Yeah, we really are. And Zoom is wonderful in its own right. We didn't have that as kids, but mm -hmm. I think we're all missing the in-person interaction for sure. Yeah, uh, we're definitely living in the Jetsons time now, hey, with the video mm -hmm. phones and... <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool sometimes, I, I have to say. <laughs> so, well, I mean, we're able to connect. I know that yeah. nobody else can see us, but we're looking at each other through Zoom and that's pretty good awesome considering right. we're very far away from one another mm -hmm. and when we were kids we didn't have things like podcasts mm -hmm. so <laughs> there is that yeah so uh, leah this has been such a pleasure and i've learned a great deal and before we wrap up here today um what what would you like the listeners to take out of this if there were one or two kind of uh, highlight items from mm. our conversation today that, that people should pay attention to? What would that be? Well, I believe that I try to leave my clients with these ingrained in them and um, everything in life, everything starts and ends with you. Okay. And the moment that you realize that, then you can take personal accountability for your own behavior and your own trauma and your own healing and health and wellness. Everything starts and ends with you. Um, I do believe that there's only one thing that we can depend on in this world above all else. And that is that nothing stays the same. 
So when you are really down and out, you will shift out of it. And when you're really happy, you may shift down, but that's actually the beautiful mess of life. And then when we feel like we are hopeless and we can't get through this and we are stuck and nothing is ever going to help us, finding the right person to talk to will always be very good, but know that you do have the power within you to work with it. You just have to reach out for the resources that will, and it's, I mean, it's investigating go to school of your own self, right? Mm-hmm. Really invest in yourself because the return is unprecedented in this world. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, I would just echo to anyone that is in need of any surface like this, that there are resources available to all of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that realizing that self-care is not selfish, it's necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people tell me it's a good selfish, but yeah. yes, it is necessary. Yeah. It's necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of people out there believe that taking care of themselves, especially parents of young children too, taking care of themselves is, is not, it's always put on the back burner, but if you take care of yourself in a way that promotes joy and health and wellness, then your children by default are taken care of. Yeah, they, they, they are taken care of and they'll replicate that. Because mm-hmm. we, we all want more. replicate. Yes. Cultivate the love and the goodness. Yeah. We want cultivating love, goodness, and air and guitars. Yes, and dance moves. Yeah, <laughs> yes. 90s dance moves. 90s and dance the moves. And ridiculous rap. My son and I actually have this thing that's been going on for a couple of years and we send dad jokes back and forth to each other. And uh, just for a little, you know, shits and giggles every once in a while. I and love so it. there's a yeah. few people that have, where's your next dad joke and sending them off to just random times and it just brights up somebody's day mm-hmm. and yeah. eye roll is entertaining <laughs> it is entertaining there's so much that can entertain us and an eye roll is good laughter is great it's, yeah, exactly. it's fun yes well leah thank you so much for joining me here today and thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing and for talking about dancing in the grocery store and mm-hmm. 90s dance moves because i know that people need that right now more than ever. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so good to talk to you as well. So this has been Decide to Transform with Leah Morrison and I'm your host Tomas Garza. Thank you so much guys for joining us today and make sure that the next time you go to the grocery store that you bust out into a 90s or your favorite dance moves if it's the 70s or something that's cool too make sure you do it in the produce aisle with a lot of people watching and their video cameras on all right shimmy 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 shimmy. all right yes have a great day everybody